This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Candy. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, today is episode 69 of Back to Debbie. Nice. We're talking player comps and the transfer portal wish list. This is going to be a really nice episode, guys. Episode 69. But first, nice. Corey with the news. So first, we'll head over to Florida State, where the undefeated Seminoles are going to be without quarterback Jordan Travis going forward after a season-ending injury. He got carted off. Looked like a lower leg injury. So going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think Roadmacker or something like that. I don't know. A guy that we're not really that interested in is going to be quarterbacking them. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. Um, over to Arkansas, where running back Raheem Sanders adding another injury to what's become a pretty lost season for him. A torn labrum suffered this weekend, so uh, definitely expect him to be coming back next year. And I really hope he can uh, reboost his stock uh, going into 2025. Um, heading over to the Senior Bowl, where we're starting to get some invites accepted. First, Florida wide receiver Ricky Pearsall is headed there. Arizona wide receiver Jacob Cowing. Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt. Florida State tight end slash fullback, Jaheim Bell, and Kansas State tight end, Benson Knott. Those are tip, about, about the names, at least, that were the most interested at this point that have been accepted. Uh, Mike, anybody here that you think could uh, raise their stock the most at this event? I've been coming around on Ricky Pearsall being like a mm-hmm. pretty good slot player. So I, I think that's kind of the answer here, uh, especially like if he shows off that footwork, which uh, there's always like smaller guys this year that show off that footwork. I think he could be a stock up here. Yeah, I'll definitely be talking about him a little bit more when we're uh, talking about some player comps later on. But Michael Pratt from Tulane is also another guy I think could do well. Um, Chris Moxley over at our site is a really big fan of him, calls him a first-round talent. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but, I mean, this is the kind of setting where he could really do well for himself, um, really brush, uh, brush up against some NFL executives as well. Um, and guys, be sure to head over to the website at campuscan.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guides, CFF projections, advanced metric tools that you see all over Twitter, and the brand new C2C Winning Edge, which is going to keep you up to date on all the school depth charts, statistical projections, and re- the returning production throughout the upcoming offseason as well. So make sure you guys are checking out our family podcasts and YouTube channel to make sure you guys are keeping it locked on that channel every Saturday morning to catch our pre-show called The Tailgate. Every Saturday morning, the guys are going to be going through start sit questions, keeping up to date on all the news heading into the games, big games weekend uh, this weekend with a lot of championships going on. Um, they're going to be going over betting tips uh, and we'll also be giving you a little bit of a Debbie preview this Saturday as well. So make sure you guys are keeping it locked with Campus Again to help guide you guys through the season. Uh, Corey, in America this week, it's it's Thanksgiving. Do you guys have Thanksgiving mm-hmm. in Canada? Already, do do already passed. Yeah, it's already passed. It gets too cold here. We can't, we can't be celebrating in this kind of cold. When, when is it for you guys uh it was last month or early october wow that's nice dude that's nice because you know thanksgiving and christmas is way too close together to see your extended family like that's just way too soon to see those people again like that's a crime <laughs> that's yeah. probably pretty nice to have that space out an extra month um black friday is coming up guys uh black friday used to be a lot of fun because you say like camp out and get those good deals at like midnight beat all the old people uh to get the good it's just not the way that way anymore here in america but we do have a good sale for you on home for apparel stuff 15 percent off your first purchase with campus number two and kin i don't know if they're doing a sale for black friday but i do know that you have the ability to lie to your wife and buy as much home for apparel as you can <laughs> and tell her about all the great savings that you had while technically still getting somewhat of a savings so you're really not lying you're just maybe extending the truth which we all know is the perfect gray zone so 
with your first home field apparel purchase, fifteen percent off with the code Campus the number two in Canton. All right, guys. Uh, episode sixty nine. Nice. Thank you. We're doing player comps <laughs> by position here. We'll start off with the with the QB um, list here. It's, I, so I don't want to like player comps can be like lofty and kind of like create unrealistic expectations, but they're also challenging because I don't want to sit here and be like. Oh yeah, Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes improviser, Patrick Mahomes arm, but like the brains of Nathan Peterman. Um, you know, like I don't want to attitude of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Cutler at the stand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to pick like a singular player to say like what he comps to. So Caleb Williams is tough. Yeah. So they're it, these are all pretty hard. And you know, whatever, episode 69. We're gonna have a little bit of fun here with some player comps. Nice. And I, I've always liked uh, player comps a little bit. You you guys will hear me do it a lot in our shows because I've always thought it gives people who are generally looking for an easy way to know what a player is like by looking at their NFL comparison. Who I know a lot of people watch the NFL more, especially if you're in Devi leagues or pure Devi leagues, you're not playing that CFF side. Guys are looking at the NFL more. So this is an easy way to kind of at least know the upside of a potential player coming into the league. But um, Caleb Williams starting off here with Caleb Williams, like this one, this one's a hard one. Like I've always said like upside comp. Like I don't think he plays like everybody wants to say Patrick Mahomes, right? Like I don't think he plays like Patrick Mahomes. Not a lot of people do. That's hard to say. I do think he has the arm talent. I do think he has some like the pocket mobility, but sometimes like, I, I don't know, maybe not the, the same pinpoint accuracy all the time. Like I, the way he can, the, the release points and the launch points that he has, that's all Patrick Mahomes. But sometimes like, I feel like he's almost more like Jalen hurt or closer to Josh or closer to Jalen Hurts as like a thrower. It's really hard to give a singular player to to the top guy here. I don't really have one. You got a strong guy here that you like? No, I don't. He really does have some like all-level improvising skill set. I know mm. David Big guys have like talked about him like Patrick Mahomes has like a sixth sense where Caleb Williams feels like he's just guessing. Yeah. Um, And I don't disagree with that take at all, but I really don't have a player comp. This like dual threat um, type of like, player like this is kind of new to the nfl scene so he's not quite like a true dual threat but like, he certainly can scramble for like 400 yards a season for sure so yeah. i i don't know uh, i don't really have a good player comp for him i do have one though for justin <laughs> for drake may uh, <laughs> oh i think you gave uh, it away there but you can <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think this one's pretty common though it's justin herbert i think drake may is like yeah. i think that's a pretty spot on like compa- player comparison similar size similar arm talent i think they both have like the mobility too. like drake may's mobility is is not like underrated but he gets overshadowed by caleb williams so people will will start bringing that up more and more as we get closer to the nfl draft but I think Drake May is very comparable to Justin Herbert. No, I like that call too. Both guys with a little bit of size, both guys with a little bit of legs as well. Drake May's actually impressed me as a rusher this year as well, like more so than I thought he would. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's almost even got like a little bit more to him than like Sam Howell did watching UNC these past like few years over these past two decades or these past two uh, um, 10 years with these two guys. Like, I feel like I kind of like Drake May as a mover a little bit. Like Sam Howell was always kind of like a power rusher. Drake May's got a little bit of a, a little bit of shiftiness to him sometimes to evade some guys, but Justin Herbert, not going to, mis- you're not going to mistake him for, for a big time mover in the NFL. And I think when Drake may eventually gets to the NFL as well, like we're going to see, you know, a, a decrease in efficiency. Once you're starting to play all those, all those better athletes, you know, it's like the Baker Mayfield thing, guy who ran so much in college, coming into the NFL, like your athleticism level is just not the same. It's not going to be the same. So I don't think that's going to be a big part of his game like Justin Herbert's as well, but both have the arm. I don't know if it's Justin Herbert level though. Like Justin Herbert's probably got, well, 
a top three arm in the NFL if you had to choose one. Like, I think he's probably, I'd say Herbert might even have a, probably a stronger arm, arm than Mahomes, really, uh, at the end of the day. So I don't know if Drake May's arm is up there, but it, it's a good comparison. I'll, I'll sit, I'll sit good with that one. Yeah, I like that. You had a really good one for, um, for Carson Beck. Yeah, no, uh, I went with Matt Ryan here because I kind of see I, they kind of have the same same type of build. Like I don't think Carson Beck is super built or anything like that, but they're both like stand strong in the pocket, go through their reads. Um, you know, really good, um, re- really good rhythm throwers in timing, anticipation. Like I really think that that lines up pretty well for him. And I mean, if if that's his, if that's his career arc, they'd be pretty good. You wrote Kirk Cousins here too, which I think is is pretty close. That's typically the spectrum we're looking at. I think with Carson Beck, you know to get to the pocket you want this guy to win within the pocket go through his progressions I, I would say like this style of quarterback sometimes isn't the most fantasy friendly I mean we've talked about two of like probably the better fantasy options in, in the past like 10 years at at those pocket quarterback positions like there might be like some downside here to where the guy isn't really you know is this like on the Mac Jones level for you yeah that would be the downside uh it's yeah. like yeah yeah that would be the most recent like last five years like player comp as far as downside would be so yeah i, I could see that yeah and where, where a guy's just maybe not the most like athletic or whatever and like you know doesn't throw for like a million touchdowns that's always the downside with going with like one of these pocket quarterbacks I, I do think though like we i don't think we're there yet but by next year though like carson best got some mobility to him like it's, it's not talked about enough but he's got some mobility to him I know, but people were saying Tyler Van Dyke had mobility to him when he was having his kid season. I mean, I don't think like I think in college you just get away with it a little bit more when when the athleticism is not really to that high level. And depending on who you're playing with, like we talk about it all the time, where it's really hard to judge athleticism sometimes, especially against the competition they're playing. These guys look super fast, and then they go to like the combine and test like a four or six, and you're like, what the? I, I had no idea he was going to test like that. So I, I get a little bit worried about some of these guys who are like sneaky athletic, quote unquote, transferring to the NFL and keeping that same level uh in the pros as well yeah um i actually did think of one for bo Nix. i didn't write it down um but i kind of hated it because he's got recent success in the nfl and i really don't feel like he should um <laughs> but brock purdy i thought brock purdy is pretty comparable to bo Nix. low a dot thrower um for everyone listening by the way bo Nix has a bottom five a dot in power five uh and i think i saw a stat that i cannot confirm right now so this might be false information that 65% of his passing yards are based on like yak from his wide receivers. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, he's a very low ADOT passer, kind of a dinking dunker. I wanted to say Alex Smith initially, um, who I just always attribute to being like the dinking dunk king from like 20 years ago, or not 20 years ago, like probably 10. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I thought Brock Purdy is kind of comparable to Bo Nix, who is successful now. But let me just say this because we know we're not an NFL show. Brock Purdy's success is coming off of offensive scheme, not because he's a special talented guy. He's just he's just in the perfect spot and he knows how to execute the scheme, which is still fine for fantasy. And I'm not saying you guys tell him. I'm just saying he's not. He's not. <laughs> the only thing I will say about that, I mean, I don't want to go too far into this though, is that he does he does do something that Bonix doesn't do, which is throw with anticipation. Like that whole scheme is strived on timing and whatever. Like I almost thought like Bonix had almost like if I wanted to relate, I don't think they're a similar type of player. The size is different. Everything's different, but the same kind of mentality as Will Levis, where I feel like he sees things late all the time, but Bo Nix does have the arm to kind of get himself out of trouble or just whip it downfield and, and hit a guy downfield. That's a lot faster than the rest of his guys, or just get a quick screen or something like that. Like he gets the ball out of his hands quick, especially in this new system at, at Oregon that he's been since Auburn, which is kind of something that's helped out reach that production. But 
I don't know. I, the, the spectrum you're talking about with like Alex Smith and Brock Purdy, like I don't, I feel like that almost doesn't, like I feel like that does him too much justice. I don't feel like he actually has that amount of processing that I saw from Alex Smith or from Brock Purdy that I'm seeing now, which I, I don't know if I saw that at Iowa State, but the processing that he's showing now, I don't know if he's showing that if Bo Nix has that in his repertoire. Yeah, well, I, I didn't think Brock Purdy had a processing at Iowa State either, but. Okay, that was the best I can do, though. Otherwise, I have no idea. I, mean, I couldn't. I <laughs> yeah. can't think of a dink and dunker in college. Like, I just couldn't. Um, I do have one from Michael Penix. Um, feels a little bit like recency biasy, but I, I think Hennon Hooker is a good comp for Michael Penix. They're both pocket passers. They now they now both have they both have ACL issues, but Hennon Hooker is really good at executing a scheme. I think he's probably a little bit better with like. Uh, ball placement than Michael Penix has been. But besides that, I think these two guys are pretty comparable players, pretty comparable prospects. You wouldn't give him and Hooker any kind of love as like a dual threat because he did run quite a bit at Tennessee. He's more of like your power rusher, I guess, more like closer to your Jalen Hurts type and like any kind of like elusive, like like Lamar Jackson type or anything like that. But I like, I would call him a little bit more like that's the only part where the comparison breaks for me. But I do see a lot of comparisons with the injury, with some of the arm talent and things like that, and thriving in scheme as well. Like I do see some some of those things being I, comparable. I thought Hendon Hooker, like in college, like he got away with because his college. I don't think that would be part of his like pro skill set if we ever see him. That is. Uh, do, hey, do you do you think Jaden Daniels is the next Lamar Jackson? <laughs> I saw that comparison a couple of times this week as well, but yeah. no, I do not think of that. I did like, I do think there's some elements. I don't know if we're seeing it as much this year, but like when he was a freshman, he kind of had this like flick of the wrist arm strength that I was, that I like fell in love with a little bit that the kind of like Michael Vick had kind of like Lamar Jackson had like that easy arm strength. That seems to, I don't even know how they generate that from what their arms look like, but they seem, I don't know how they, they seem to have it though, but um, I don't see the that comparison at all. Uh, otherwise like I do think he's pretty athletic like I wouldn't I think he's probably do you think he's gonna hit a four five if he if he were to run anyways I think he can get four five I think <laughs> this is gonna be silly bro um he has a lot of pads right now when he plays like his his little waistband pad sticks out farther than his <laughs> chest pad which I think yeah. is just I think it's, it's just funny like I need him he should probably go hit the gym but <laughs> so I think he can be pretty fast <laughs> when you take away all the pads off his body so yeah I actually do think like four or five is is possible um I've been struggling so hard like I really thought out of all these QBs we wrote down I've thought about him the hardest what about Josh Dobbs from Tennessee in his Tennessee days for, for Jaden Daniels yeah I mean, yeah I don't I don't know it, I got there's a lot of love around him right now um but uh, also, also, yeah, a little tangent again, not an NFL show, but like, what's up with these like QBs that haven't done anything for like a long amount of time? Like Geno Smith, his comeback for one year. And now we have Josh hmm. Dobbs coming back. It's been kind of weird. I don't really remember that ever being a thing of like late, late breakout like QBs outside of like yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, I think we bet we always the general mantra in the NFL is that we bet on talent, but there is certain elements to where a situation probably makes a big difference. And you'd have to argue that like Gino and Dobbs are probably in the best situations of their career with the best weapons of their career, with their best play callers of their career. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, I, I don't who did they have to call in plays in Seattle. I don't even know, but regardless having DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and, and even JSN now, and a pretty good running game as well behind them. Like situation matters a lot. And I think that's why a lot of these guys are thriving as well. Yeah. No, right, but so yeah, that's I got, I, got, I could do for Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Which I, I got really nothing feel. for Jaden Daniels. I got nothing for JJ McCarthy either. He's such a weird unicorn in a sense where he has these tools, but like, 
they don't let him show anything. They are so reserved with how they use him. Are they hiding him? Are they, but I don't know if I believe that. I, I feel like I see talent there. Who does he come to in the NFL? He's got a skinny build, but a tall build. He's long. He's like, I have no idea. I have no idea where to go with this one. CJ Stroud. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, CJ, yeah, CJ Stroud was like this size as like a freshman, but <laughs> they, they hid his athletic talent from us too, though. Or not, excuse me, Justin Fields. They hid Justin Fields' athletic talent from us till he went to the NFL. Well, I, again, covered with so many freaking good wide receivers, he probably felt like he didn't really need to. Right. I don't. Why don't they even want him? They want him to just throw. Yeah. Um, exactly. Let's head over to wide receivers then. Uh, we had a long discussion in the Slack with this one, so this is going to be pretty easy for us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marvin Harrison Jr., I think we agreed upon A.J. Green as a good comp for him. Very athletic, yeah. very fluid mover. Um, I think he's going to come in at six foot two and a half. by the way, not six foot four. But, like, he he's he does everything really well except for, like, his yak ability. Like, he's not a tough runner. He's not soft, but, like, he's not tough. Like, he'll go down to first contact pretty often. Yeah, I think that that suits AJ Green too. A little bit longer, a little bit lankier. So, like when you know when someone gets a hold of you, sometimes it's a little bit harder to break away. But AJ Green, very underrated route runner, especially for like a guy of his size. Um, you know, was like a top ten pick in the NFL draft. If I'm not mistaken, like a lot of love for AJ Green. Best thing to come out of Georgia, like ever, I guess. <laughs> but um, Marvin Harrison Jr. definitely has like that those those things. Like he's very meticulous in his route running he's very he understands leverage understands his get off his release his patience his tempo in his routes a lot of the things that we see from aj green so i don't think we're gonna go too much further here but i like that comp yeah uh going over to malik neighbors here uh we actually comped him to robert woods so malik neighbors for us and i, I actually just i'm just talking with me we think he does everything very well like there's mm-hmm. there's hard to poke holes in this game he does stuff at a very high level like i want to say he's like top like one percent elite at anything but like it's very hard to poke holes in this game. So, uh, like a well-rounded guy that can run routes, but he can also like win in contested catch situations, good in yak situations, just good at all phases of being a receiver. Uh, we thought Robert Woods was a pretty good one for this. Yeah, versatile, can play inside and out, and is going to be like a reliable guy. Like maybe not a number one type for your team. And like another comp that I've been going with the size is a little bit off again, but like Jordan Addison, guys who make it very good quarterback friendly targets like one of the things you're seeing with addison this year even with dobbs like coming back to the ball like you, you watch him open all the time the angles he takes backwards like guys take such rounded routes such things it's those finer elements of being a wide receiver that i think you know guys like jordan addison and malik neighbors really thrive at being easy targets for your for your team and can do anything that you ask of them they're gonna they're gonna make a team very happy as a team's number two wide receiver i think I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna cut down to um I'm gonna skip a few but just we'll we'll come back I want to go down to Keon Coleman real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I had Keon Coleman down as Brandon Marshall. Uh, yeah, way too generous. I think you... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Keon Coleman's an old school bully ball guy. I've seen him comp him to Des Bryant and stuff too. Um, yeah. All those comps to me are fine. They're lofty for sure. But the thing you have to ask yourself like, would Des Bryant or Brandon Marshall thrive in today's NFL? Because uh, I'm not so sure they would, um, and that's that's my real thing with Keon Coleman and Malik Neighbors too. Is why I kind of wanted to skip was because Robert Woods, like I think Robert Woods would have done a lot better in today's NFL than he was like when he first went to the NFL and when it's a lot more physical type play. So I, I I just wanted to say that like the game has changed over the last ten years, but I, so I think like people that might be listening be like, oh, Robert Woods' career was up and down and not great. Malik Neighbors is better than that. I think Robert Woods would have had a better time if he was in today's NFL. Yeah, when he joined that 
new modern system at with the LA Rams when Sean McVay got there. Like he was he was a weekly starter. He was like him and um it was like, wasn't there, was it was it cup? It was both of them, right? Yeah, they were both like awesome for that for that season. Yeah. Um and yeah, I like that's some yeah, system the the more modern NFL's moving away from these guys. Like it like there's still a couple hanging around your Mike Williams, your Mike Evans, you know, Drake London kind of in that spectrum as well, but you got to be damn good at it. And like my comparison here was with a guy, another guy that I went that I think is a little bit physical, a little, little bit better mover than guys give him credit for, and a guy who was another first round pick. I went with Devontae Parker, who I think, you know, he ran a 4.4540 at the combine. So I think he's a pretty good mover. He was a first round pick as well. Similar play yeah. style, similar like play strength. Parker, you even talk about it, had that one season where he was like the best in the NFL, like contestant catches or something like that one of these seasons. Contested catch rate with its magic at Miami. 92%. Yeah. Like you're storing it up to him and he was winning, you know, he, he, it's been relatively up and down and consistent. But I, I kind of see that same kind of projection for Coleman at the next level. I think he's going to win more likely than he's not on physicality. There's more to his game. I'm not just calling him a bully ball guy, but he's going to be winning more often than not in those situations. He's more athletic than I gave him credit for, but yeah, there's just the NFL is seemingly moving away from their, from, from this type. And they're still not there that, you know, even this year, I think people are kind of overvaluing a little bit, but uh, he's done better than I gave him credit for. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I really do. Um, let's go down. Let's go back up to uh, Emeka Abuka here. Uh, we had Chris Godwin. We actually kind of talked about it earlier with Chris Godwin. I started thinking about like after we talked about it, like Jarvis Landry, but mm-hmm. um, we'll just stick with Chris Godwin though. Uh, Chris Godwin was like not athletic. Like he wasn't like, he wasn't the poster child for being an athlete, but he was a very good separator, really good in the short and intermediate area, which is where I think Ibuka can thrive. Like he can be a chain mover. Uh, so, yeah, no, and I, I, you know, similar size profile as well between uh, Godwin and Ibuka. Um, similar place uh, skill set and the fact that they could both play outside if needed. They can both play inside if needed. You know, Chris Godwin has had like one of the best seasons from the slot a couple years ago with uh, with Brady, I believe. Um, and then he, you know, at at Penn State, I think he was like a majority outside. So he's this guy who play all over Ibuka. The same thing. Both great route runners. I don't know if I think Ibuka is like an all star athlete either. I think he's a very good at like fine he's a good athlete i think he's going to test like like perfectly fine he's not going to be like a four six or anything like that but i wouldn't be surprised if they were more comparable than not in the in the, in that circumstance as well and again i think a, two guys that are probably better suited as number twos for an nfl team than like your pure number one but still guys i think thrive very well the next level and long-lasting skill sets from these guys you know like chris godwin i'm you know I think he's pretty undervalued in dynasty circles right now because I think he has that kind of skill set, that Keenan Allen type skill set. That's going to go on for a long time. Yeah, no, I think you know it there. Also, did you know that Chris Godwin ran a four four two? I would have never, I would have never I, thought. I knew he was pretty decent. I thought it was like four four seven, but yeah. Okay, so Penn, like that this, Penn State strength and conditioning program. Man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think yeah. Okay, that's good. Oh, Xavier Worthy. Um, I actually thought. That 24-7 sport, I think that's 24-7 sports. Kind of nailed it with his high school profile. Can't agree more. Uh, it's Will Fuller for me. Yeah. Will Fuller, the fifth. Will Fuller is, I think, like one of the most elite field stretchers that we've had. Um, But also offers like some route running ability too to be like an intermediate short area target and let him kind of like, kind of like scheme him open and let him just win with speed in the yak department. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I think Will Fuller is very comparable to, sorry, Xavier Worthy is very comparable to Will Fuller. I got nothing to add there. I think that's that's pretty good. We've seen some expansive usage from Will Fuller at times, but 
being a knucklehead has kind of not helped him as well. <laughs> Maybe we could have seen a little bit more from Will Fuller if he actually kept his head on straight and stayed healthy as well. So um, hopefully I'm hoping for a little more from Xavier Worthy, but um, I like that comparison. I think that's good. He, he never like officially retired. I still got him on like one or two rosters. Just I think I still coming. do too, but yeah. those CGC rosters are so deep. You have like guys like, you know, like it's like, why not? Yeah. Like, Will, let us know, please. So I can, so I don't yeah. have to think about it. It's like, yeah. I mean, if they're like, if nobody's picked them up yet, I'm pretty sure you're good to go ahead oh, and pull it for it. <laughs> uh, you had a good one from Romo Dunze, uh, which I think got attention from our our favorite pers- personality on Twitter. Yeah, I can't believe you thought it was a bad thing either. No, but I've been, I've lately I've been comparing Romo Dunze, uh, comparing Romo Dunze to Cortland Sutton, who we've seen you know these past two weeks um, against the Bills and against the Vikings had these amazing circus catches. This guy who's, you know, maintained relevance in the NFL as well through some quarterback issues, uh, had some spike seasons here and there was a high first round pick as well. I think even Sutton might even be a little bit more fluid of a mover and don't tell Kratos. Cause I think he's going to come after me if I say that, but this was a guy 96 percentile in the three cone, 91st percentile in the 60 yard shuttle at six, three, 218 pounds. Like that's quick feet for a big guy. And you know, Sutton might not be the most dominant, wide receiver at the catch point, but he does make, you know, those crazy catches that I was talking about. And I think Rome's game is pretty similar, fluid, big body guy who flashes at the catch point, maybe not always consistently, but does have the flashes there um, with the legit athleticism. I think, you know, he has a chance to lock down the team's X role at the next level and kind of be in a, in a similar type, hopefully maybe a better situation than Sutton if you're a really big Odunze guy, but I think it's a really good comparison. I don't think that you should have been upset with this comparison at all, just because I didn't say prime Julio mixed with Justin Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've Walker, the UNC wide receiver here. This one was really tough for me. Uh, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of people online say that it's like Christian Watson with better hands. So I settled upon more of a skill set comparison because they don't compare for size. But I, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Wallace, the Steeler wide receiver, yeah, I think Devontae Walker is not like a route runner. I don't think he's a zero in a route running ability, but his speed is what like his game is predicated on. So, won't. I don't think he's going to thrive as a one. I just don't think he has the footwork to really thrive as a one. But Mike, but Mike Wallace thrived off his speed and just kind of getting in behind defenses once in a while, kind of like offsetting. I think it was eight, I think it was Antonio Brown right at the time when they were together. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's going to be Devontae Walker at the next level. But Mike Wallace again, he's like six foot two hundred. Uh, King uh, Devontae Walker is listed at six two and a half two hundred. So, which I think he is six foot two and a half. So. Yeah, I don't mind that playstyle comp at all, especially like Mike Wallace was a guy that would get used on end rounds and, and stuff as well, just to get kind of take advantage of that speed. Something that UNC did with Walker this year as well, uh, a guy who did take some shots out of the uh, out of the out of the slot as well. You know, to get away from that press coverage, get that nice speed down the field. That's another thing they were doing with Walker this year. So those playstyle thing actually makes a lot of sense. And two guys who probably aren't weren't super refined at intermediate routes at, you know, your in-breaking routes and all the different manipulations you could do. Like they're probably not super refined at that, but guys who excel down the field in that, in that X type of role. Um, you had a really interesting one here for Troy Franklin, okay. um, which I want to, I, I, I will push back a little bit, but I want to hear your okay. reasoning for, for, for this comparison. I'll try to do another skill set thing here. Good. I was actually going to skip the next two because I don't like them either, but I put Terrence Williams down the uh, Dallas wide receiver. It's a speed thing. Like, I don't, and a straight line speed thing. I don't think Troy Franklin does too much in breaking stuff. I've seen, dude, I've seen people talk about him being like as good as CD lamb coming out. He's not, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Troy Franklin like a route runner. Like, I just don't think like he's again, he's not bad at it. He's certainly better than Devontae Walker is at it, in my opinion. But like, I still don't think he does more besides like slow goes and just, just vertical routes is more his thing. So I put Terrence Williams down who I thought as a career, like you probably be fine with that. I don't think Terrence Williams ever went over a thousand yards, but he was like an 800 receiver, like for like four or five seasons in a row. But I think that's kind of a, a ceiling play style comp for me for Troy Franklin. I don't know. Like th- this one was weird because I think you might be misremembering who which Terrence Williams was, or or potentially looking for a different name. I don't like Terrence Williams was a thicker possession wide. He's six two, two hundred ten pounds. He ran a four point five two, um, like under fifty under fifty percentile for like all his testing as well. So that's where the where it got off of me. So I don't know if you're just mistaking him for somebody else. Um, but uh, that's the only thing that didn't make that much sense to me because I, I honestly think Troy Franklin's going to test really well athletically. I think he's kind of like a finesse wide receiver. Um, I, I've seen the CD Lamb comps out there a little bit, and I I just have to give him more credit for working all three levels of the field. I go to PFF, dude, pull up his receiving depth chart. It's split almost 25%, 25%, 25%, 25% between all four levels of the field. He's doing everything, dude. I tried to tell you this last week <laughs> when we were talking about him. I said he's, he's a guy, or no, in chat. Sorry, we were talking about it in chat. I said he's used, he's used in the middle of the field. I said DJ Chark for Troy Franklin. And you said, well, I thought Troy Franklin did, or I thought DJ Chark was more used in the middle of the field. It's, it's yeah, flip, I thought man. Like, was, yeah. like, like DJ I, I Chark thought... was actually like the deep threat at LSU. Like he was more of like your role player, but. Um, anyway, like, like DJ Chark for like, for my comparison, he was six, two under 99 pounds at the, at the combine. He ran a 4.3440. Like that's something that I would consider close to like Troy Franklin right now. Is this at six, three, which I don't believe. I think he's more like six to 187 pounds, a little bit lighter, but I, I imagine he's going to push for low four threes, high four fours. Like, I think he's actually a more well-rounded wide receiver than Chark is, but I feel like that kind of lines up a little bit more with my thought on how Troy Franklin could be used. I think early on, you use his speed to kind of use him as, to get him on the field early as that kind of deep threat. But I think he could evolve into a little bit more. I think the size is my biggest concern there. Okay. I'm not going to push back. I didn't really like Terrence Williams comp I came up with in the end. Uh, but I don't know. I thought DJ Chark did more in the middle. I, I think it's fine. I won't push back on it. And I ended up, <laughs> since we're going down this route anyway, I ended up putting DJ Chark down for Adonai Mitchell because I couldn't think of one for him either. But yeah, I couldn't either. I couldn't think of a good one. So let's we'll just skip just over it. That one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Brian Thomas, who's really been like surging this year. I think it's pretty easy comp for a lot of people. I've certainly seen it on Twitter. Uh, Martavius Bryant. Uh, Brian Thomas is, is a field stretcher. He's a speed guy. Uh, they used to use him in a possession role. He was pretty terrible at it all last year. So uh, I think Martavis Bryant is a pretty good comp there. Outside guy. He can break a play. Just really needs one or two catches to make your fantasy day type of thing. He'll never be the feature role. Like He'll never be the one. That's not even like in the cards for him. But like he's certainly like a really good role player at the next level. Yeah, I got no problems with that comparison. I think that's exactly the kind of way he's been used this year, whether it's on a screen or whether it's just taking a shot down the field. And he's made some pretty good catches too and some pretty good plays after the catch as well. And um, Martavis Bryant had a knack for those circus catches, which I don't know if I've seen so much from Brian Thomas, but I think that that lines up. And I think I expect the roles to be similar, at least early on uh, in the NFL. Um, one of my guys, well, at least, quick, I, I, though, with, go ahead. With Brian Thomas, like, I don't think he made circus hits, but I think he's got like really solid hands, like, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, okay. he's made some, yeah, he's made some great catches, but like you don't see like Martavis Bryant had like some of those between the legs catches or whatever, oh, yeah. like in the NFL, like he was, he had like some ridiculous concentration at the catch point, which I'm not sure I yeah. see so much yet from Brian Thomas, but um, still a very raw and young player too, that we can see a lot more come from. 
Yeah, and Thomas, I don't think is good in yak. Like if he if he gets contact, he's going down like hundred percent. Yeah, he's oh not yeah, very tall. He's taller, lanky guy. Yeah, yeah. All right, sorry for interrupting. You on the next one? No, just my guy here, um, Elijah Badger from Arizona State, which uh, I've gotten you on a little bit, uh, uh, looking at him a little bit. I, I thought this was a really interesting comparison for him, which was we went with with Jay Jones, the wide receiver for uh, the Jaguars right now. Um, but if you remember his profile, like the thing, the thing that me and you battle with the most with Elijah Badger is you think he's more of a manufactured touch guy. I think he has a little bit more in his repertoire. I think he, he can be used more like all three levels of the field. This almost fit that perfectly because Jay Jones at East Carolina was the most manufactured touch guy. And like, like, I think he holds like the record for like the most catches or something. Like he was like, he was like the king of manufactured touches, but then he gets to the NFL and he's used in like the more expansive ways down the field, uh, intermediate more like you barely even see the manufactured touches for him. And now, so this kind of fit, fit it really perfectly. The size is similar. I think the athleticism is going to be similar. So I actually really like this, this comparison for Elijah Badger. Do you think, you think, <clears throat> sorry, do you think Badger's like faster than a four or five? I would hope so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of a, it's kind of a cop-out answer. I would not be – like, he's very good in the open field. He's a return threat. Uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, 4-4-7, 4-4-9, like, around there. I don't know if he's going to hit, like, 4-4-1 or 4-2, like, anything like that. But that's no, where I think, no, yeah, that's I, where I think he's going to be. I didn't think low fours were there. I think 4-5 no, no. five, five is too slow. Like, he's definitely – Yes, exactly, yeah. All right. Um, What's going on? <laughs> We skipped Lad McConkey. We kind of talked about him last week. Yeah, we can skip Lad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, Roman Wilson, the slot receiver for Michigan I like this there. one a lot. That you that you yeah, had here. Kind of kind of looked good his freshman year. Disappeared on us for two years. Came back this year and in, uh, in the slot. He's looking he's looking kind of electric. Um, wasn't a part of last week's game plan. That happens when you only have seven targets. Uh, oh wait, he played Miss Maryland this week. I didn't even. I didn't he even got injured. Up. He got injured. <sighs> Yeah, like first like, quarter too. Like a big hit, had like a big twenty-eight yard catch, and then like took a head uh, hit to the head, and he was out. Damn, is he gonna come back or is it like? Not sure. I think I think he might be back for next week. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Okay. Right, anyway, because you know I was listening to the news like I always do, and I hear you mention his name. So. No, I don't. I I try to stay away from all the minor injuries. Or be here for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, my comp for Roman Wilson here was actually Michael Harmon, the speedster from uh, Georgia. I thought that was a pretty good comp there. Not like super refined. I don't really think Roman Wilson's really super refined either, but I, I think Michael might have been a – yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I think Michael Harmon's a pretty good comp here. Mostly because of speed, the size. Uh, I think Michael's more, used more as an outside guy, but Roman's more of a slot. Yeah, and I think they could be used in similar ways in the NFL. Like, Meikle's been a guy who, um, you know, you're getting end rounds to, you're getting quick screens to, you're taking some shots down the field. Like, he's never been that really that intermediate, you know, route running type of guy, which I don't really know if Rowan Wilson is either. But we both, we know they're both highly athletic guys. Like, Rowan Wilson has ran, like, a 4.3 as a recruit. He's jumped, like, 40 inches. Like, he's going to be a very athletic guy. I just don't know if, like, the entire picture is there from a wide receiver refinement standpoint. So this this comparison made a lot of sense to me because I think Michael Hardman is, despite the really good draft capital, despite the high-end athleticism, he's kind of struggled to find his place in the NFL because he's, he's not really that refined as a wide receiver. George didn't ask him to do much besides run down the field straight as far as you can. And Roman Wilson's not really doing much more other than, you know, taking short passes here four catches a game and burning one to the house because he's so fast so it'll be interesting to see how his fit is into the next level but i i like this comparison a lot i think he nailed it here yeah uh next guy for us malachi corley here um 
Malco Crowley is like a yak guy, and like as far as like yak goes, unlike Elijah Badger or Emeka Ibuka, like he runs like a running back. Like he's very physical, upright mm-hmm. runner. Doesn't lower that pad level. Doesn't try to make a guy miss. He's just going through people. And this is like at the G five level. You know, you can kind of get away with that. They're a lot smaller. Uh, so I'm kind of worried about him transitioning to the next level. Um, so we comped him to Devin Duvernay, the Ravens wide receiver. Yeah, no, and then that was a guy at Texas who I think like was like leading the leading the uh, the league that year in in uh, first downs on screen catches, like first down on like had like the lowest a dot. Like he would, that's just the type of guy he was, very manufactured touch guy, and that's kind of like how we're picturing Malcolm okay, Corley a little bit right now. You know, low a dot player. Like the one upside comp that I did give that you felt was too generous, but I do feel like you know if all things work out well, this could be his upside. It's like Golden Tate at the NFL level as well, yeah. who was a very, very good yak threat, was never a superstar athlete, but was quicker in shorter areas and and able to be a little bit elusive and gain separation that way. That's kind of the same way we picture Malachi Corley. We don't think he's going to be a burner. We don't think he's going to do – he's going to light up the combine or anything like that. But he might, you know, do really well in agility drills, um, better in shorter spaces than than burning you down the field. But, yeah, I, I think that lines up pretty well here with, uh, with a comparison for him. We had some deeper names. Well, let's get to Ricky Pearsall first. And then I just threw in two deeper names because they came off the top of my head pretty fast. Uh, but Ricky Pearsall, I put down Christian Kirk. I thought Christian Kirk mm. was like a super steady, reliable, like middle of the field type guy. Great hands. Nothing flash. Like his game's just not flashy. And I think that's Pearsall as well. He's a reliable slot guy with phenomenal hands, like really strong hands. You know, I, not ever going to be a superstar. Well, I, well, Kirk was kind of hot last year and this year, but and this year, it's he's been good. He's been good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been good. He's been, he's just been a safety blanket reliable. Like you draft him in your fantasy leagues and you don't want him to be your one or your two, but you feel really good when he's like your fourth option on your team. But like, I think pure salt can be that for you on the next level. Yeah. And I, this one was interesting for me because I think, you know, we didn't talk about Ladd McConkey, but I think honestly, a lot of people want to, you see the Adam Thielen comparison thrown a little bit. I mean, for obvious reasons, we don't got to go into that those reasons here, but this is actually one where I thought it synced up a little bit more with Pearsall is actually an Adam Thielen comparison who I think, you know, the, okay. the size is a little bit closer. Uh, Pearsall is 6'1", 190 pounds. I think Adam Thielen was 6'2", 200 pounds. So kind of close there. Um, and Pearsall spent his entire career as a 50-50 like slot outside player. He does he does it all. He's got these nice release moves, these nice footwork as well. A double digit A dot for his like whole career as well. Really solid hands, low drop rates. He's just like this really well-rounded player, I think, who might not test off the charts or see significant draft capital. Like I'm I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a day three pick, but I think he could end up like a really reliable, like chain moving wide receiver and and outplay his draft capital at the next level. Dude, I I love that phrase, outplay your draft capital. I feel like yeah. I do feel like for like day three, like there's some guys I have like locked in day three guys. There's a handful that I'm kind of excited about for the NFL. I don't know yeah. if it's like that time of the season, you know, you know, it's <laughs> before you get to like <laughs> the month before the draft, you start like really seeing all the flaws. Um, but I, I do feel that way. And one of the other deeper names I put out here was Ricky White from UNLV. He was once with Michigan State. Uh, like he broke out during the rivalry game against Michigan. And then he disappeared off the radar for about a year. I want to say a little more than a year. Uh, it wasn't like anything knuckleheady or like drug related or like, you know, like like law abiding type stuff. It, I think it was something on a personal level. So I, I'm not going to dig into it or speculate, but it wasn't like, I think he just needed some time. Ended up at UNLV here and he's been like on fire the last two years here. Not playing as tough competition, but he showcases some good speed. He's a bit skinnier on the build side. Um, has some route running ability, and I thought like a good comp for him was Darnell Mooney. Mm. 
Yeah. So where does he play mostly at UNLV? Is he a slot guy or outside guy? I think he's outside. I think they use him outside. Um, I'm trying to pull his stuff up. And, and like same with Pearsall, by the way. You, you kind of mentioned he's like inside outside for them. I think he's mm-hmm. like they have him inside outside because they don't have any outside. Like they don't have any guys with that type of skill set. Yeah, yeah. On the roster. Uh, let me see. 70% wide, 30% in the slot. I almost thought Jaden Reed too for Ricky White, but didn't feel as confident in that one. No, I like your your other deeper guy here, um, Trey, Ole Miss Harris, wide receiver, Trey Harris. I kind of like this one lining up a little bit uh, as well. You went with Iowa wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson from last year, who I think you know they're probably going to see similar draft capital, both similar play styles. Like I know Xavier Hutchinson was listed really tall, but I remember he came in pretty, uh, pretty a lot shorter. Yeah, yeah, at the combine, which is going to be closer to Trey Harris size, who's six two, two hundred five, or something like that. Plays very big. Both guys. Um, good extension for the ball, good hands uh, attacking the ball at the highest point. You know, not guys who are going to be burners or separators at any point, but I, I like the way this one lined up as well. Yeah, I like that one for him. Uh, also, when you saw Hudson at the Senior Bowl, like the like the the one second you saw him, you're like, all right, this guy's fucking lying. He's not six four. Yeah, <laughs> you just thought right away. Yeah. <laughs> right away from a distance, like you just knew. Yeah. Um, going over, the, do you have any deeper wide receivers that came off the top of your head? No, I don't know. I, mean, I think that covers a good. All right, let's run over to running backs. I only had a few for running backs here, but we'll start off with our RB one. I think we're both ready to lock that in here. It's Trevion Henderson, um, mm-hmm. and Corey actually had this one. He he's I think I don't know if you remember or not, but this is definitely your comp before we came my comp. Uh, Dalvin Cook from um, Florida State to to Minnesota uh, fame. Henderson's not like a phenomenal like straight line runner. He's still good. Like he's good. He's not. He's better than Rashad White. That's for sure. That's that's getting debated on Twitter nowadays. But <laughs> Henderson is a a a good, not upper echelon runner. But like he's still also a very good receiver too. Not upper echelon that either. Like he's not Gibbs or Eckler at receiving the ball. But like he can catch dump offs and like you still got to pay attention to him. So I, I think Dalvin Cook's a pretty good comp for him. Yeah, and I meant it. I, I did kind of mean it as more of a spectrum thing too. Like your Dalvin Cooks, I, I threw DeAndre Swift in there as well. Although I do think DeAndre Swift is a little bit more has a little bit more stop start to him than I think Trayvon has sometimes. Even though I do think that's part of his repertoire as well. But and your J.K. Dobbins, but I didn't want to make that comparison with it. You know, same Ohio State, all that, all that stuff. You know, uh, your Cam Akers. You know, like I think he falls into that spectrum at least. Where guys like they might not have the most play strength at the next level, but they can. They're very good uh, in a lot of other ways, especially in the receiving game, being able to be split up, split up wide. And as runners, the athletic ability they have makes them hard to hard to track down. I mean, we've seen DeAndre Swift blow up in some games uh, this year because of that running ability. I think Travion Henderson has that in his bag of tricks as well. So I think it lines up, and I think people are overvaluing the the fact that he's not blowing guys over or truck sticking guys. You don't have to do that at the next level. Look at how these guys succeeded, and I think Henderson can do the same thing. Um, another one here that's really kind of difficult to to pin on here heading over to wisconsin with with braylon allen where i think this one is kind of more of a spectrum thing because it's truly a unicorn of traits um for braylon allen you know which makes like the easiest comparison obviously to derrick henry which you're going to hear a lot but i'm just not sure if braylon allen is really the same type of athlete but like that kind of spectrum can probably include guys like aj Dillon, who's a little bit smaller but but your bigger type your gus edwards uh running back for uh the ravens who's like running back three in fantasy right now which is like crazy and even on the low end here you know i went with a guy that has somehow managed to have a 10-year career in the nfl but a guy like latavius murray another guy who's six almost six three 230 pounds um and moves pretty well for his size all these things are kind of like on the spectrum for braylon allen but i guess 
I what my hope is is that a team has an idea if they're going to spend high end draft capital on this guy that they're going to be more of like a Derrick Henry game plan here and and hopefully we see that kind of usage from him. It doesn't fall more towards Edwards and Latavius Murray part of the spectrum. My yeah, my best comp form was Gus Edwards. Like I don't yeah. I just don't I, see the same type of athlete for to to comp him well enough to like AJ Dillon or, or Derrick Henry. I don't know if that if that same type of speed is there. Oh, you thought AJ Dillon was fast? Like he tested fast, but do you think he's like actually? No, fast? like, but AJ Dillon did really well in like vertical and everything as well too. Those are the things I don't, I don't even know if Ray Allen will do as well in either. Okay, well, I, I think, I think Gus Edwards is like an underrated pass catcher, same as Braylon. Obviously, they're the same size, but Gus Edwards is a very good straight line downhill runner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of finesse. He's more of a truck, but like he's, I, I, I think he's been underrated, and I think if. He wasn't on the Ravens. <laughs> he was with a different team that didn't rotate running backs. I think we probably would have seen a lot more of him earlier on. But anyway, yeah, I, I had Gus Edwards as Braylon Allen. It's weird because it's like, do you like because they're such a run heavy team with so many different options? You got to worry about Lamar. Then they bring in the fast guy. That's a very different change of pace. Lightning, whether that's yeah. Justice Hill or whether that's Keaton Mitchell. Now that we're seeing, and then Gus Edwards. Like, do you actually think Gus Edwards would be as successful as, as somewhere else? A guy who's really like not in vogue, oh, I guess, yeah, in, yeah. in the NFL nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know how much of a role he did. I actually think, like, the Ravens might have actually, like, suited him the best almost for, for what he's been able to do and how he's been able to climb up and uh, climb up this depth chart, kind of. No, we were talking about this with Tony Pollard pre-show about, like, just the thunder and lightning, and then when you take yeah. away one guy, yeah. the guy, like, flounders, like, it's kind of required for their sixth leg. Like, yeah, I can see that. I, I can agree with that, too. I don't think Gus Edwards would have been who he is today without a rotation. I also yeah. don't have one for the next guy on the list. You do want to talk about or just uh, Trey, Trey Benson. Yeah, we can, uh, we can skip. I don't have a good one for him either. I don't either. I don't either. But I'm yeah. going to say this though. He is not Javante uh, Williams. Like, I, mm-hmm. I understand the missed tackles fours from last year, but like Javante gets low and Benson's like upright. Like, I don't know. I feel like Benson's uh, yeah. like a discount AP, like a, maybe AP when he, AP got older. Yeah. Um, I don't, anyway. I don't yeah, I don't have a good one for him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to be really insulting here with the next couple, though, straight up. Ooh, here we go. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I really am. Uh, so Blake Corum, uh, who's listed at five foot, like eight, and then I think Dan Brewer posted he's 219 pounds, which is just insanely false. <laughs> um, I think Corum, like, I think he's five foot six. I, I, I had, I have sources. Anyway, I think Corum's comparison is Jared Patterson. Uh, Jared Patterson had some run in the NFL. He was successful. Uh, didn't stick around in the commanders for too long, but I think Quorum is a really good collegiate running back. I don't really think much of what he does translate to the NFL. Uh, he's run behind the Joe Moore award winners tw- two years in a row has gotten free releases to the second level. And it's just looked really good. Even got to like a Heisman final finalist or semifinals last year. Um, and this year with a slightly downgraded running back or with O line, he just hasn't looked great. He just straight up has not. He's been fine. He just hasn't looked great. He's starting to be exposed more for what his skill set actually is and not what people thought it was last year. Uh, and I thought Jared Patterson's a pretty good comp for him. Yeah, you could argue, I think, that he's one of the senior running backs that have ruined their draft stock the most by coming back. And I understand he had the knee injury so last year, so it was hard. Maybe he wanted to come back at unfinished business or whatever. But it's like, man, let them go off your last year. You have the knee injury. You don't got to test at all. Now everybody's just got to go off your tape. Like that honestly would have been like the, I honestly think that might've been the perfect situation for him to actually get a better spot in the NFL. It was last year, but now this year it's like, I don't know. Hey, nobody's really talking about him as much anymore. I think people have kind of accepted that maybe, maybe it was just a little bit 
of a flash in the pan last year. I don't want to say that so much, but here's what I think. Last year, I consistently called Illinois' running back Chase Brown the discount version of Blake Horam. And so I'm going backwards the other way. And now I'm calling Blake Horam a fancy version of Chase Brown because I think they're such similar players in the fact that like they're not super explosive. They have good vision at times and they can follow their blocks very well. They're both highly, um, they both had very high workloads as well and did well with them. But it's like, even if you look at the advanced stats, it was like the missed tackles force were very similar. The yards after contact were very similar. So much things lined up about their profile. And I honestly think that they might be looking at the same thing at the draft at the next level too. Chase Brown was a fourth round NFL draft pick. I think Blake Horam could potentially end up a fourth round draft pack, uh, draft pick. I don't know if he's necessarily deserving of that, but because he's got the Michigan tag, because he's got some of the hype from the previous years as well. I think fourth round is probably a spot that I might expect to see him go. Um, and I think they're probably both looking at the same thing at the next level. I think Blake Horam's going to walk into a situation where he's probably fighting for the RB2 spot. I mean, he's not going to walk into no RB1 spot. So I think we are being a little bit mean with our comparisons here, but we're this is really what we think about Blake Horam at the next level. All right, Bucky Irving next. <laughs> um, yeah, Bucky mine's Irving. worse than mine's worse than yours, I think. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So you go with yours first. <laughs> my my comp for Bucky Irving is Kenny Gainwell, the running back out of um, Memphis. Mm-hmm. So Bucky Irving from from uh, Oregon. Bucky Irving has been like really efficient. Likes to bounce stuff out wide. He's like college level shifty and a phenomenal pass catcher too and i think that was gainwell too gainwell was always like an explosive running back and you're kind of like all right well a lot of his running stuff kind of flies in the college level like he just wants to run around and win with speed Mm -hmm. um whereas like on the nfl like the edges are sealed like that does not happen that often in the nfl so i I think bucky can have a like pass catching uh role at the next level so kenny gainwell was my comp for him yeah, I think that's probably fair. And maybe I could have leaned more on the pass catching upside, but I kind of went with a role that I think, you know, he could line up with like an RB3 role somewhere or whatever. But I, at least I went with a guy who got a touchdown this past weekend, and I went with the current Miami running back, Salvin Ahmed. That's where I think Bucky Irving kind of like lies. He's kind of, yeah, he's kind of in that like Miles Gaskin. He's kind of in that Salvin Ahmed. Kenny Gainwell is kind of like the upper echelon of that, I would guess, because he's kind of got a little bit more rushing ability than I feel like I give to some of those other guys. But still, that's just kind of the spectrum he falls through, man. I don't pay, I don't see like I don't see more than a bit player here for Bucky Irving. Like I don't I don't picture him ever as like an RB one. I don't picture him ever as more than a complimentary piece of uh, backfield. And these are the, this is the spectrum of players that I think he's going to compare to. But when it's all said and done, Miles Gaskin was a good one too. I like that Miles yeah. Gaskin one. Um, Jonathan Brooks. So this one was tough because we've been kind of critical of Jonathan Brooks. He like great vid. Um more slippery than elusive really good mm-hmm. at following his box like he's just efficient and but like as far as like his upside goes like he's not like the best athlete he's just not his best trait is his vision i, I actually settled on something we talked about pre-show and it was gonna be kareem hunt kareem hunt came out of the g5 he's probably the last successful g5 running back in my opinion mm-hmm. wasn't a great athlete either like a four six um was like nothing about his game when you watched him was like superb, but his stash he was always loaded because he played against D5 competition. Anyway, I think Jonathan Brooks is the same. Nothing flashy about his game. There's nothing that's gonna stick <laughs> out besides like his production, his efficiency. Uh so I, I think Kareem Hunt is my comp for Jonathan Brooks. I also don't think Kareem Hunt would have been successful in too many places than where he actually landed in the NFL. So I mean that, he... that's that's my ceiling, by the way. That's my ceiling comp is Kareem Hunt. To Kareem's Hunt credit, like he did good at KC 
got in a little bit of mix up with the law and then yeah. did pretty good again with the Browns. Like he said, he somehow keeps finding a way. And I think that ends up being the comparison for any back that you is like more slippery than like really sudden or elusive or anything like that. So I think that it, it falls into that. And I think that's a generous comparison for Jonathan Brooks, in my opinion, because there are some things here that I'm like concerned about um, from, you know, if all his traits are going to translate, he doesn't have the same size. Kareem, Kareem has like, this unnatural ability to like just slide off of tackles and be able to bounce off of guys, keep his balance and keep going. Jonathan Brooks, we're seeing that at this level. I'm just worried if it's going to be able to continue at the next level. So I think this is a nice upside comparison if you're a Jonathan Brooks guy, but I probably lean more towards maybe like the lower end of that spectrum with, I can't even name a, a good player, but I just don't think he's cream. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's tough. It's like yeah. picking on the good enough bucket. Yes. Um, yeah. Going on to Audric Estime here, I'm going to stick mm-hmm. with the comp I had yeah. early season. It's Hassan Haskins, the prior running back from Michigan. Hassan Haskins was six foot two twenty, really good hammer, build up speed runner. I think Audric Estime is a build up speed runner. There's not a lot of wiggle to his game. He's a fine pass catcher, like a check in the box. He's not phenomenal in it, um, but really, like he's just hitting a hole. I don't know what upside he offers as far as a skill set to an NFL team. Like he's really just kind of a hammer. Um, and I don't think there's too much special about his hammering ability either. He was pretty hot to start the season off. I think when they were playing weak competition, I he's, think he's still been he's still been pretty good. I would say if you look at his stat, it's not hasn't been terrible anyways. But uh, no, no, in no, the but vein, like, yeah, go ahead. I'm saying not terrible, but like it's like he what he had like three like yeah he's been fine. He's been nothing. He's been nothing special. He's been beating up on bad competition and been just fine against good. He's been fine. He's been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the vein of what you're saying, though, I, I do picture him as like a hammer at the next level. You're going to have to – he's going to be either part of a committee or he's going to – like I don't know how much leading he's going to do. But like one comparison that I thought with a guy that we've seen pop up in the last couple of years, guy with similar physical frame, um, that's Dante Foreman, a guy that we're seeing uh, – we saw him saw, uh, succeed with Carolina last year. We're seeing him with the Bears a little bit this year. He was a pretty decent prospect, I would say, back when he was coming from Texas, but lost a little bit of that juice, probably compares a little bit more favorably to Audrey Estimate now with the frame he has and stuff but maybe that's the type of guy you can picture i don't picture him ever being like a lead he's going to be the hammer uh to a team he's never going to be a high-end pass catcher and everything like that but maybe you know you might see the odd game where he gets like 21 carries and does pretty well with it i only have one more running back to talk about here okay um my i just want to have some fun mayan williams from ohio state who knows <laughs> if he's gonna come out or not um, but I come from the to Michael Warren, the second from Cincinnati, seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. Both meat ball type guys. They had some going deep there. How many yeah. people do you think are going to actually know that comparison? Do you think ah, a lot Mike of Williams had like three or four weeks of random buzz because of his RAS score? No, no, not that, but because of who you comped him to. I mean, do you think a lot of people actually know who Michael Warren is? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he got buzzed because oh, yeah. of his RAS score, like after the draft. Yeah, like, yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. This guy's got a nine point whatever RAS score, and he's a meat. He's a meatball. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Mine Williams can. Actually, I have no idea if he has that high of a RAS score, but but yeah, I think <laughs> we're efficient meatballs in college that like we're just flashes in the pan. Yeah. Um. The only other two that I'll throw in here, uh, we couldn't pick up a good one for Will Shipley, but I do see a lot of comparisons with the way James Cook, I think, should be used in the NFL. And, like, I was never huge on James Cook as a prospect. Like, I, I'm still not super huge on him, even despite being a Georgia fan. I don't think, like, he's that good of a run or anything like that. I think that's kind of the same trajectory for Will Shipley. You should use him as a pass catcher. He's a good enough runner to be part of a committee and, and still flash that way. Um, but 
probably more well suited for like the kind of role we're seeing. And that's the high end comparison, right? There could be a lot of low ends here too, that we, we that could definitely um, take him off dynasty radars for us. And then the last guy I want to say is, you know, Jalen Warren running back for um, Pittsburgh, very hot name right now. Guy who came out of nowhere, undrafted free agent, but had played very well for Oklahoma state and just for some reason, didn't get any hype leading up to the draft. A guy I kind of feel like is in the same vein. TCU running back Imani Bailey has very good across the board in, in like all metrics this year. Very good across the board in production. Not top at anything, not anything, but a guy that's not really getting a lot of love. And it's the same very similar type of player. Kind of jitterbuggy. He's like 5'8", 205 or, or 210 or something like that. Very similar size to Jalen Warren. This is my Jalen Warren for this year, I think, is, is Imani Bailey from TCU. I think it outplay or even if he's an undrafted undrafted running back could maybe make some noise in preseason and become a guy that we see playing on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, Chase, Chase McClellan. Confident. Oh, I, D- Damien, Damien. That's just like, that's a cop. <laughs> I'm just playing. All right. That's um, it for running backs guys. We couldn't yeah. think of one for chase. Uh, not really a fan of chase anyway. I'm not really sure we'll see him. Um, that's going to wrap up our comps though. Heading over to the transfer portal wish list, right? Portals are, are opening up, uh, they close what mid January? Yeah, it? and we're already seeing some guys enter. Um, oh wait, Eric McAllister returned, didn't he? I think Eric McAllister ended up returning to Boise State, so I think he took his name out. But I know Michael Allen, running back from NC State, just entered. Um, so we're starting to see some, we're starting to see it pick up a little bit already. So definitely going to get some names here in the next couple of weeks, especially with NJ, coaches NJ being Moore. fired or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Texas AM guys are leaving though. I think they're only there for the money. They weren't there for Jimbo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but. So just trying to do some, this is a wish list though. This is not like, this is who we wish goes into the portal. So there's going to be a lot of high end guys and stuff like that. Anyway, at the quarterback position, um, I think Kyle McCord comes back this year, uh, quarterback for Ohio state. Lincoln Kyle mm-hmm. is getting all the relief uh, snaps for Ohio state. I don't know what I probably should have done my research. So I'm sorry, but I don't know what's going on with Devin Brown. Assuming maybe it's like a health issue. But Devin mm-hmm. Brown's got to hit the portal. He's not going to be sitting there for his third year, right? He still has some shine to his name. Um, do, do I go Alabama or is that just too stupid? Am I just being like a fan? You can just go sit there with Buckner and Ty Simpson and then Julian Sain's going to come in and then they're going to have all these guys that we're not going to know who's going to start. They'll put Jalen Milrow out there for another year. So they, that's what he's got to be than Buckner. There's no way he's going <laughs> to Buckner. So, yeah, I don't know yeah. if Alabama makes sense because it's just like I don't know. But like, I, I, I the thing is, you want them to go to like some high pedigree situation. I just don't know where like any of the openings are for like a high pedigree situation. Like, I'm sure you'd love to have him in like, as like your Kentucky replacement for like Devin Leary going up, but I don't think he'll ever. I don't know if he'd ever go there. He could, bro. It's it's close to Ohio. That's a BC weapon there, but yeah, I totally agree. This is definitely a wish list one. This is a guy that I think has. One thing we've always talked about with him, it's like he's not, doesn't have like grand size or anything like that, but he has an NFL arm. You saw it in his tape from a recruit as well. Like some of the throws he hits, some of the things he pushes, like I'd be very excited to see what he could do as a full time starter, which I don't know if we're going to get to see um, if Kyle McCord returns next year. He's from Utah, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, he's going to go to Utah. Like, that's where he's from. In that in that type of offense, I don't know. It's so weird. It's like yeah, you never know what's in these guys' minds. Like they want, what, like do they want to like show off, or do they just want to play? Because there's lots of places where they could just go to play in a power five level. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one. Lots of places to figure out still for that. Yeah, uh, the, uh, okay. One one quarterback that I think 
um, that I'd love to see in a different situation. We got to see him a little bit this year. Both these are kind of cop-out answers, but quarterback is hard. Okay, give us a break. Okay, but I'm talking about Texas Longhorns quarterback Malik Murphy, who I think, you know, is probably the odd man out because, you know, Quinn Ewers is already turning again for the next year. You've got Arch Manning, who's the future there. Malik Murphy kind of gets stuck in this middle where whatever. He was a decent prospect himself, has a lot of interesting tools, really big build. Um, I want to see what those tools could do in a full year starting. We got the brief picture of it this year, and it wasn't the great. It had its ups and downs. He had his moments, but it was a lot more bad than it was good. But still, you're talking about a guy who had to come in in relief. There was nothing game planned around him. He kind of just had to learn on the fly. I mean, you hope these guys are more ready than than for, for when their name's called, but maybe there was an element of that to it. But I just want to see what he can do. I'm not, I don't want to write him off at all yet until I see what this big arm can do, what the size can do, what this little bit of mobility can do. I just want to see him starting somewhere so I can get a good picture of him. My last one for quarterback is going to be Gunnar Stockton, the QB from uh, oh, from Georgia, sorry, who's also from the mm-hmm. state of Georgia. Gunnar Stockton was a part of the elite uh, recruit club of the 150-15-15 club. So for a recruiting team, that's 150-plus on the max preps QBR, 15-plus adjusted yards per attempt, and then 15-plus on the max preps strength of schedule. And in that group, the quarterback, the quarterbacks in that group are Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Drake May, and Gunnar Stockton. And then just a little sneak peek, DJ Lagway is on his way to the well. (laughs) So Gunnar Stockton's so far the only um we'll call it we'll just call it a temporary bust on that um, in that club. Uh so I'm holding out hope. I don't think I've seen him look too good during the spring games (laughs) or the practice clips I've seen. Um, but I, I still think he like he can. I think still think he's a power five starter. I certainly think he'd crush a G five circuit, but I would like to see Gunnar Stockton transfer somewhere. So I'm just going to let him run a little bit. Also throw a little bit of RPO type stuff. I could feel like I can see him at UCF, honestly, but anyway, Gunnar Stockton. Yeah, no, I, I like that call there. Let's move on to running back here where I think collectively our G five hero that we just want to see go somewhere so we can maybe make a better evaluation of him and see how you do at that level is Mr. Boise state running back Ashton Genty, who, you know, we've talked about a million times on the show, very efficient runner, um, explosive, big play. We think if he's like, if he's still at Boise state and Holani is gone next year, there's a chance he has he's in contention for like CFF RB one next year with how explosive he is, but that still doesn't do as much as we'd like it to do for his NFL draft stock. What would really do well is if he could transfer up into one of these Power 5 situations, like perhaps a TCU, like perhaps a Kentucky maybe, and get a lot of runs so we can make a good evaluation maybe against SEC defenses like that and maybe really put his name on the map to, to be a guy that we should be considering for next year's draft. Yeah, his, this is a comp show. Ashton Dentist's yeah. like ceiling comp is Austin Eckler, a guy that's a very superb pass catcher, and like a decent runner down the middle, but like he's from Texas. So I was trying to find Texas schools when to go to. Obviously university of Texas is kind of full. I think I see Jay Baxter there. Yeah. Um, and usually there's like a clear hierarchy of like Texas schools, like, but like none of them have been that interesting this year with the exception of, of actual Texas. So I, I did put TC down the sheet here for him. Cause I think Imani Bailey, like they kind of use that skill set. I think they use that skill set. Even Houston too. I'm not sure if you want to go to Houston though. 
don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, I think we'll definitely be able to dive in a little bit more into these spots as we examine the rooms a little bit more. See who's going to leave in the transfer portal and whatever, what spots are going to open up. But definitely some some of the better spots there, like like TCU, Kentucky, where we're seeing a lot of these guys run. Like like Louisville is having two senior guys leave this year. I think Jawar Jordan's done, and I think Grendo or whatever the other guys there. So it's like there, there's an opening spot. Ashton Genty could be really interesting there. Like there's a lot of spots where like you could definitely see a lot of production at a Power 5 level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next one up for running backs, so Diamond Edwards. It's been absolutely disappointing in Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll never, I'll never get the game out of my head where he waved off Blake Horm and then had to call a timeout to bring Blake Horm on the goal line. Um, <laughs> this dude, he's got it. Like, there's no way coaching staffs and him are on like the same like level if he's waving people off. Anyway, there's got to be somewhat of friction between him and the coaching staff. He's got to go somewhere else, I imagine. Uh, he's had a terrible year. I don't know where that is, uh, but he's got to go somewhere else. He's got to go. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna. Get, I'm gonna give a G5 hero for the running backs, but one G5 hero I do want to give for the quarterbacks before we go. Uh, Kane Salter over at Liberty, by the way. Just want to give him a quick shout out. He's been blowing up this year. This was a guy who I believe was at Tennessee, wasn't he? Before he had some uh, as a pretty decent recruit. Before he had some weird yeah, um, off field, yeah, off field stuff or whatever, and then uh, went down to Liberty and flashed a little bit last year. And now this year has really put it all together. Just wonder if there's a chance for him to want to hop up eventually again. Um, so we, uh, G5 quarterback to look at there and then running back my G5 hero here. Uh, I'm going with Kadarius Calloway running back over at old dominion, a very interesting backstory, six foot, 217 pounds, former four-star athlete in the 21 class. He actually committed to Alabama as a cornerback. Now didn't end up making it there as a cornerback. Maybe just couldn't find his footing. Ended up going the JUCO route. Maybe realized corner wasn't for him. Switched to running back. Well, took that, parlayed it to a transfer to Old Dominion, and he's really flashed this year. He's dealt with some injuries, so he hasn't flashed as much um, as maybe you would have hoped. But he's taken seventy-eight carries for just about five hundred yards and four touchdowns. That's good enough for a seven-point-six-yard average. Really flashed in those games he played before the injury started building up a little bit. I just think he's a guy with a really interesting backstory, higher pedigree backstory as well. That I think is going to eventually want to find his way back up again at some point. Yeah, maybe, maybe Kentucky. Maybe Kentucky. Yeah, maybe Kentucky. Maybe somewhere like that, yeah. <laughs> um, my last guy I wrote for running backs here was Javante Barnes, running back from Oklahoma. I was never a huge Javante Barnes fan. I still think he's, like, in the good enough category, though. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking he's anything flashy. Obviously, he had that dead bone injury, and I've heard bad things about it. But, like, Oklahoma's, like, backfield now has gotten busy. It's not, like, a lot of high-end talent, but there's definitely guys that can start on other offenses. Uh, so I would like to see him transfer somewhere. I don't really know where. I haven't looked up his hometown either. I'm not the biggest Javante Barnes fan. Also, I would like to see one of the Penn State running backs transfer. I don't really care which one it is, but I feel like either one would benefit to an offense that actually has a creative play caller, and it's not boring. Maybe maybe Catron Allen, too. I don't, I'm already losing faith in, uh, in Singleton. More athlete than running back. Hasn't really progressed too much, but I always – uh, we could at least all agree that Catron was really good down the middle and a little bit more of a tr- traditional running back. So maybe if he goes to a different offense like Kentucky, I mean, you know, I'm just saying, maybe Kentucky, we could see Catron blow up a little bit. But uh, I would like one of the Penn State running backs to transfer out. Yeah, I have no idea what to even do with Singleton right now. But it's like Catron's been better. So it's like, if anything, like, what are we looking at? Is Singleton the guy that maybe we should be hoping to transfer now? Maybe he needs to find somewhere else. But it's like, he's so raw. Is he going to really be successful somewhere else? I don't know. It's yeah, a, that's, that's a tough losing- one. Like neither one is losing touches right now, so that's difficult. Because if one's losing touches, like they could leave and be mad. Like I'm not, yeah, yeah. It fairly. And Penn State's also like, there's just some schools that have such a loyal like players. Like players just don't transfer out. Like Ohio State's kind of one of those schools too. Like there's just 
those high end schools, like players don't transfer out of. I think Penn State is like one of those schools. Yeah. No. So I like that call too. Let's move over to wide receiver. Um, I, I'll hop to my guy. We'll hop your first guy here to leave his year. I'm going to talk about Houston wide receiver Matthew Golden, who, if you heard recently or saw some rumors, uh, he retweeted a tweet that said, you know, uh, apparently schools have been reaching out to him, offering him like six figures to transfer or something like that. And uh, he said, no, I'm 100% committed to Houston. I'm going to stay here. And I'm saying that he should take that money and run and go somewhere else because Houston seems to be having a little bit of a transition time adjusting to the power five level, which was to be expected. Um, and Matthew Golden is a very interesting prospect dealt with that foot injury this year that I think people are holding against him a little bit too much this year. Um, was everybody's kind of hoping he was going to hop into that tank Della role and we were going to see a lot of production hasn't really materialized that way, but still very good prospect, very good movement skills guy that took a couple returns for uh, touchdowns this year as well. And seems to have interest apparently from the sec schools, from the, from whatever schools, from power five schools. And I think he could potentially, you know, he's saying the right things. You say I'm committed on whatever. He might just be raising those bidding dollars, man, for, for somebody to come get him at the proper price that he wants to he wants to be paid. So let me see Matthew Golden somewhere else. Get him to Alabama. Get him to, uh, I don't know, Tennessee needs wide receivers. You know, Washington, if they lose all their three top guys, let's see, let's see him go there and potentially be a guy that could potentially uh, join that wide receiver core. Make some noise. Uh, I like that. I do think he should transfer out too. Um, I think Donovan Edwards is a terrible quarterback. I mean, one of the worst ones in power five for sure. hundred percent. So I don't think a lot of like the issues were, I don't think golden was good this year, but like Donovan Edwards has no touch. He has no ball placement either. He doesn't mm-hmm. rifle it in wherever he can. Um, so maybe like, I don't know. And I, I don't think golden's like a contested catch type of guy, but um, I, I, I like to see him go somewhere. He certainly is a good route runner. He has good footwork. So, uh, please transfer out. Also, Nate Marquise was so funny in the Slack when Golden like said, "I'm a thousand percent committed," and Nate Marquise was like, "If you say a thousand percent, doesn't really feel like you're one hundred percent." Yeah. <laughs> if you say a hundred percent, I believe you. The minute you add the extra zero, there's no way you're staying. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, I I put down Bo Collins here. Bo Collins is six foot three, two hundred ten pounds, I believe. He's pretty athletic. Kind of showed up as a true freshman. It feels like Clemson always has true freshmen showing up. Disappeared. Uh, he's gotten overshadowed now by Antonio Williams and by true freshman three-star Tyler Brown. I think he has to realize to rehash his draft stock, which like he still is sometimes talked about by the draft Knicks. He's got to go somewhere else. And a school that's always shopping for like the big men on the perimeter is Penn State, who for some reason couldn't grab one early last year's cycle. That was pretty weird. Like, could, they couldn't mm-hmm. grab Keaton Fegan. They couldn't grab quite a few guys. They settled upon Malik McLean late. But I, I would at least see Bo Collins go to Penn State um, only because that's what they shot for. I really don't think that's a good school to go to anymore. I just They just need to do something yeah. with the offense. But, well, they had good. They've had good development for wide receivers, like in the past. Just hasn't really worked yeah. out where it worked out lately. But yeah, that's another good place there. Um, even Texas, another good place there too for for some of these wide receivers. Like if Xavier were the Anadon, I leave. Like, I mean, they're left with Jonte Cook there, but I mean, not really much else there. A lot of good good wide receiver places for a lot of these guys. I'll go on to my next guy, guy that I'd like to see. Um, might make you a little bit sad, but I'm heading over to uh, your alma mater with Kentucky, and I'm talking about Mr. Barry and Brown. And now we have to see what's going to happen with Kentucky. They could bring a quarterback in that maybe raises your confidence level and where this is headed a little bit. But 
it, we've just seen a little bit of a down. Like Devin Leary wasn't what we had hoped he was going to be coming in. He hasn't really supplied the passing attack that we want to see. We've seen Barry and Flash a little bit in this new role. It's kind of been like whatever. We know he's a very good athlete. This is the kind of guy that if it, there was anybody to go to Alabama and figure out how to use that kind of speed, Barry and Brown's that type of guy, you know, that could take those crazy deep shots. Like that could be used in the Henry Ruggs role. You know what I mean? If, for that Alabama offense, like he would be so good in that role. That would be such a good fit. I would love to see Barry and do that because we talked about it a little bit already. We've dropped him down our rankings. And every time I go in there, I feel like I'm dropping him down a little bit more for another hot name that, that rises up or another person I'm feeling a little bit better about because he's just not doing anything that's really solidifying his ranking there. So let's see a different trajectory in his ranking, hopefully heading upwards if he can get out of um, Kentucky and hopefully go somewhere else in the Power Five. I mean, I, I can't say I don't like that as a Debbie guy. I don't like that yeah. as a Kentucky fan. <laughs> um, but I would, I would understand if that happened. I would understand. I would understand. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to find a G five guy. Uh, there's just always a handful of interesting G five guys that transfer up. Um. Also, just for the record, everyone listening, I'm a huge Elijah Sherratt fan. That is my G five champion. He can't transfer up. He already kind of did that from FCS to JMU. But Elijah Sherratt, my G five champion mm-hmm. uh, for wide receiver. You got to have one if you're a Debbie guy. If you have like five though, then maybe you shouldn't be doing Debbie anymore. But yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I do like Elijah Sherratt. Um, my my guy I'm going to talk about though is Jared Brown, Coastal Carolina wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's been there for three years. He's a low ADOT yak type of guy. They use him on like manufactured specialty stuff. Um, I don't think he's like a bum athlete or anything like that either. Like, I think he can. I think he can play G five. I don't know how much of a Debbie asset he really is, but he's been really good as like he's a very good manufactured touch guy. Also has some nice boom games here. Um, really good yak ability. He's from Georgia. Like maybe Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has. Uh, Eric Singleton there, field stretcher. I think he could probably operate as their like their like uh their short area intermediate type guy. Georgia Tech for some reason is like one of those fun teams. Like it, every single all season, it looks like their team is terrible. And then somehow they're like, Well, here's Jameer Gibbs. Welcome to the world, Jameer Gibbs. And then this year they made Hanks Haynes King relevant. So anyway, I, I think Jerry Brown could be very fun at Georgia Tech. And then we'd have to ask ourselves a question if he's a G, if he's if he's an actual Debbie guy or not. But Again, he's been he's been pretty good, pretty much used as a gadget guy in the G five level. Yeah, I was actually looking at him a little bit. I have a little bit of a problem with Coastal Carolina players. Seems like they're not looked at very favorably, even for transfer purposes for whatever. They just they don't seem to transition very well to the next level. And I know they've been operating that RPO system. I haven't got to look at them this year. I know it changed a little bit, but they used to be running that RPO system, very gimmicky system that maybe just a lot of guys weren't weren't transitioning well out of. But um, yeah, Jared Brown is a very interesting guy that, that and still young enough that I, I would kind of like to see you out of there too. Yeah. I went a different direction. Oh, sorry. Wait, oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, six foot 190, 14 rushing attempts for 252 yards for one touchdown. That's 18 yards a rush. And it wasn't just like one mm-hmm. big play. Well, he did have one big play, but it's it's still been pretty efficient on a regular <laughs> basis. Um, and then for receiving, he's got 56 catches on 73 targets for 723 yards. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think he's, dude, he's fun. He deserves a shot at the power five. Yeah, there are always a couple of G5 guys that we should really be keeping tracks on. My G5 hero for this for this last guy in this wide receiver thing, I'm heading over to UAB, which is not somewhere where we talk about wide receivers very often, but Amari Thomas is a guy who's caught my attention uh, a few times this year. This was a three-star guy, uh, had power five interest from uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, Penn State took a look at him. Mississippi State took a look at him as well. He ultimately signed with UAB. 
got a decent build, 5'11", 200. He kind of looks like a running back. We look at him, he kind of has that kind of build, but the athleticism seems to be there. Um, can't tell sometimes against this level of competition. But if you guys are regular watchers of ESPN, you watch You Got Mossed, he featured on here as well. That was kind of like the first you know, real time that I took a look at him. Um, big time catch over a defender versus Tulane, one of his, their tougher games this year. Um, he also went nine for 60 and a touchdown against Georgia this year. Um, had another highlight catch reel in that game. Great job attacking the ball. Like, so versus Georgia and Tulane, probably their, their two toughest games all year. He went 17 for 159 and a touchdown. And that wasn't just all garbage time either. Like he was consistently used throughout the game. Like his touchdown against Georgia came in the second quarter. Like it wasn't just playing against prevent defenses. So there might be something here with this kid. And, you know, and being a true freshman, he was the second leading wide receiver for this team. It doesn't really pass much as well, just under 500 yards and four touchdowns. So I think at some point he might be looking for greener pastures. I don't have like a spot for him, and I don't even know if the transfer up comes up this year. But given the freshman season that he had, given how he's performed in some of the tougher competition, definitely a G5 guy that I'm keeping eyes on. My last receiver here is actually Kendrick Law with Alabama. Uh, Alabama's like... They're not throwing the ball lately. Like, I don't really think they can. But Kendrick Law beat the year one zero. He's an athlete. His usage really hasn't increased all that much. I think he's gotten a few special team touches. I'm trying to pull up his stats this year, but he's five foot eleven to a one. Yeah, ten catches for 122 yards. Like that's it. Um, used in very low ADOT situations. I, if this guy wants to go to the NFL, I think he needs to go somewhere else. I think he's going to recognize that. I don't think he's a transfer down candidate. I think he can transfer laterally, or I shouldn't say laterally. I think he can transfer another power five team and get some run that way. Um, but yeah, so somewhat interesting. But guys, look, that's going to wrap it up for us for the uh, the transfer portal, transfer portal wish list and player comps. If you hate our comps, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sure they'll change a little bit once we get some more athletic data coming through here. Uh, this is episode 69, so thank nice. you guys for joining us for that. Thank you, Corey. Uh, and it's uh, it's Thanksgiving this week, so make sure you guys eat up, all right? Uh, from Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.